0: Hello and welcome to a July 14th, Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. For the last three years, I was the Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian, covering the team in a daily capacity, and you can currently find my writings at BlazersEdge.com and listen to me here every day on Locked On Blazers. Thank you for joining me once again, where we will touch on Damian Lillard's statement heard around the world, the lack of Moe Harkless news, and we rank the Blazers' big men uh, in order of importance. The Blazers officially announced the Alan Crabb signing late last night, which we knew for a few days that he would be in blazer a Blazer uniform once again. But we, we don't still have a complete picture on what the Blazers' wing situation is going to be. Mo Harkless has not signed. He hasn't signed an offer sheet. They haven't – there's been no movement on the Harkless front. And so until we have like a complete picture of what their wing situation actually is going to look like, I'm going to refrain from going through their wings in, in you know a more analytical way. Pretty sure that they're not going to add any more big men to the roster, so that's why I'm doing a big man ranking as we move on through the summer here. But first, we're going to run down a little bit of Blazer news before we get to that. I wish I had some more positive news for the Blazers in terms of their summer league squad. They lost to the Utah Jazz summer team last night, 86-71 in a pretty dispiriting way. They got blown out by a team that they had just beat the day before. Noah Vonley honestly looks tired to me. He did have a little bit of a leg injury in the Utah game the day before. And I think the Blazers probably should take a page from the Utah Jazz who benched Trey Lyles in yesterday's game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, the guy who scored 30 in the game against the Blazers the day before didn't play. So if you wanted to feel better about that, I'm sorry. You can't. And I think they should give Vonley a break for the last game of Summer League. They have one more game tomorrow, which is Friday, against the champions of the Utah Summer League, the Boston Celtics, at 3 p.m. on NBA TV and ESPN3. It's in Vegas, and it's also right before the Dame Dala concert in Portland, which I will be attending. But, uh, yeah, the Blazers Summer League is pretty much over. There's one more game, and Vonley looks a little tired. He's been the most consistent player on the Blazers side of things for the most part. Pat Connaughton was unable to build off of his pretty solid performance against the Jazz the day before. Jake Lehman still couldn't connect from deep. The same goes for Luis Montero, and Shabazz Napier didn't play at all and has been ruled out for the duration of Summer League. This Summer League has not been one that will probably be remembered. I know most Summer Leagues are not really remembered, but there wasn't a really signature performance in this one like Damian Lillard going off or... CJ McCollum or Will Barton or Alan Crabb who all you know had at least one big game or, or maybe two and you don't want to overreact to any big performances and I think Von Ley was pretty solid but I think if anything Ley gave us kind of a repeat performance of last year's summer league where he was very good as well in Blazer world outside of Vegas there isn't a whole lot of new stuff Damian Lillard got a whole bunch of fans fired up by saying to a fan that asked him if he would play for the Warriors, hell no on Twitter. I'm quoting Dame. And although I would like to analyze the free agency in its totality, we still can't really do that. It's still incomplete without Harkless. There's been no offer sheet. There's been no agreement with the Blazers. Uh, Dame's comments made the rounds today, not just on Blazers Edge and other blogs, but nationally. And I think it was just vintage Dame. He holds grudges. He's insanely competitive. We all know that he has no problem with being a little petty. And this fits right into the narrative that we've already had written about Lillard for his entire public life that we've known about him in his basketball career. And he saw the Blazers were completely written off last year. He wanted to make sure that everybody was proven wrong. And the Warriors are definitely a completely different beast. I don't think he's saying by any means that they're going to beat the Warriors, but You know, he's committing to that petty life once again, and on a national level, you know, that's been making the rounds, and NBA fans who view the game as a softer version of those that came before and always reminisce about the Lakers and the the Celtics or even the Bulls and the Knicks of Pat Riley, which, you know, the Knicks of Pat Riley played ugly, ugly basketball, and when they played the Miami Heat, which were some of the worst series of all time, even though I am still sometimes nostalgic for those series as well because – I thought that they were classic. Shout out to Allen Houston. But Lillard's gone out of his way to make people feel, at least in this town, that he's a Portlander. And I think that that statement about the team that plays in his hometown was just another affirmation of the fact that he really cares about being in Portland and being a Blazer. And he lives in Oregon for most of the season. He works out of a facility when he's not on the road doing endorsement tours and stuff like that like he was in China earlier this summer and that has trickled down to a lot of guys on the team I think guys like Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard followed Lillard's lead they they spend the majority of their time here in Portland working out CJ McCollum is a a man about town man about the world he was at the ESPYs last night he was working at the Players Tribune and you know, uh, but he spends a lot of time here working out. He works out with Portland's coaches in the offseason. so that that work has trickled down to the Blazers, and I, I think it does make a difference in and how the team sees itself. And I think also, you know, it's good for the fans. I think I think the fans want to hear that after being burned by Aldridge, you know, so to speak. I guess even though he went home. And he's a star, but I, I just think that Lillard really goes out of his way to make sure the Blazers fans feel like they're important and that Portland in general is important to him. And he'll be here through 2021. He's got a five year contract that's worth $140 million. A lot of people picked that up and ran with it. And I thought it was, you know, uh, just classic Damon. I mean, what do you expect? So but after we we, we touched on well, that news and the, the lack of Harkless news, I think we should take a look at the Blazers' centers and, and their big men. I, when I said big men at the top, I really meant center because Al Rukamino is the starting power forward as of right now, and I don't really consider him to be a big, even though he has played the five before. And uh, the Blazers are going to need their big men. This is going to be kind of tricky. They are playing a new style. But they're going to need big men because that's important still. You need not look any further than how Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love even made a huge difference on the NBA Finals to know that bigs in the NBA still matter. Or even look at the the Spurs when they won the title. I know that was a, a different team, but... ...and a different style of play, and they were veterans, and Tim Duncan's a legend, obviously, but big men still matter in this league, and I think the Blazers have some really interesting questions when it comes to those guys. So, in terms of these rankings, I'm I'm ranking them in order of importance, or the impact that I think that these guys will have on the team next year, not necessarily a talent or skill-based ranking... I'm ranking them on who I think is going to have the biggest impact on the team and how they do and where they finish. And they brought in Festus Ezeli as a free agent. So the big men that I'm ranking are Ezeli, Myers Leonard, who was brought back, Noah Vonley, Mason Plumlee, and Ed Davis. So I will start my list. And I'll go with, uh, we'll start backwards. Let's let's count down because uh, that's always more fun. So at number five, I have Noah Vonley. Vonley has the potential to be better than all of the guys ahead of him. But he's still just 20. And although he started last year, I can't really find any minutes for him right now. I, I don't, and I think that Stotts is going to have a really tough time finding minutes for him next year. Think of the, the games that he started last year in the same way that you thought of Nick Batum when Nick Batum was a rookie and started for the Blazers with Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge and Greg Oden and Steve Blake and all those guys. And, I mean, Brandon Roy obviously loved playing with Nick Batum. I'll never forget when... Aside, when Batum was saying, you know, at practice one day, he was like, Roy pointed to him and he's like, I want to, you know, I want to start. I want him to start. And he really liked it. But that was also, this is way different from that, but it's still the same idea because Batum didn't really earn a lot of minutes. He didn't really finish games at all. And he was in a situation with the starters where he didn't need the ball, just like Vonley didn't need the ball. And his his lack of experience or lack of skill, what have you, could be easily covered up. And so, I I think that when you're looking at this team, you have to look at Vonley in a different light than, well, he's the incumbent starter, because he did lose his starting spot, and I think he does have the the most room to grow of any of these guys, uh, as far as big men, and they didn't really need him to do a whole lot on the court, but... I think it was also just a, a a better allocation of resources. They could use his skills better with the starters, with his offensive rebounding, his rebounding in general, better than using Myers Leonard's offense, which they really needed to help the second unit score. Because the second unit had trouble scoring, although Alan Crabb had a really good year. Although Gerald Henderson had a pretty solid year once he was healthy and C.J. McCollum did a good job running the show, they needed Myers' offense more. But as of right now, I would have Vonley number five on the Blazers list of of big men slash centers. At number four, as much as it pains me to say this because I thought he was such an important player for the Blazers last year, I have Ed Davis on the list. It was honestly a toss-up. Last year for me, between who was the most important player off the bench, whether it was Crab or Davis, his offensive rebounds, his hustle, his attitude were super important to the Blazers. I think he's a major locker room presence for this team. I think if they didn't have him, they would lose a certain modicum of of attitude that they have, a little bit of backbone, a little bit of toughness. And he brought all of that every night for the Blazers, And yeah, except for I think one or two games where he was injured. And he really hadn't gotten playing time much in his career up until the last two seasons of his career. He finally got some playing time when playing for the Lakers and then last year with the Blazers. But with the Blazers moving to a small ball system, if you're slotting Al Farouk Aminu at power forward and he's going to play 30 plus minutes a game, there's only so many more minutes to go around. And so... unfortunately i've got to put davis at four on this list i think it limits his role and at least as of right now you look at the roster on paper and it looks like davis is kind of be forced from a useful contributor to sell them used locker room veteran presence probably a little bit sooner than he wanted to so at ed davis i've got him at number four out of the five big guys that i consider to be centers on the blazers and so moving up to number three, I actually have Festus Azili in at number three, and maybe that might be a surprise because he's the new free agent signing for the Blazers. But, and, and the other thing, too, is that Azili could start for the Blazers. That's that's another thing that you have to consider. But I he doesn't pass the top two for me for a couple of reasons. At 27, I think he's had a lot of chances to get better as an offensive player. I just don't know if he, that growth is going to happen. I know that the Blazers are known to help guys you know you know get you know scratch get down below the surface of maybe what people think that they can do and improve that i think we've seen that with guys like Aminu Harkless you know who who i think we thought didn't have great potential but really proved to have skills that maybe a lot of people didn't think were there and He's an, he's an excellent defensive player, and I think if you're looking just at defense, he's probably the best defensive big that the Blazers have. And he has great rim protection numbers, as we've stated before. But concerns for me are his knees, and I I don't think that even at his best, he is going to play more than 30 minutes a game. I think he's a great asset, especially for the price that the Blazers got him at. A bargain, but I think he plays twenty to twenty-five minutes tops at center. I don't see him getting the majority of the center minutes. You know, maybe if he get, he cracks twenty-five, but I, I think him in him in that twenty spot is kind of a is going to be a sweet spot for him. And the things that's difficult about all the big men, really. Uh, at least most of them, it's hard to play them together. Leonard and Plumlee were really bad defensively last year when they were on the court at the same time. Izzy is pretty mobile, but I'm not sure he, can really, he or Leonard can really hang with power forwards on the perimeter, especially the power forwards that we have today. I mean, look at Aminu for the Blazers. He's the perfect example of what the power forward position has become in the NBA, and I don't think that any of those guys would have a, a good time hanging with them with, with your modern power forward in space. And I have Azili at number three, even though defensively he's probably the best. But I just think that he, in terms of importance and the impact he's going to have on the team, I think it's going to be number three because I think you kind of know what you're going to get with him if he does play. And the worst case scenario is that he, you know, his knees limit him to really be able to play at all. And so I have Festus Azili in at number three on my Blazer Big Man rankings. Number two, I have Myers Leonard. And he's got one tool that nobody on the Blazers, at least in terms of their big man, and, and few people in the league in terms of big man possess with his size with, with his size is his three-point shooting. And I think defensively he still has defensive potential. And you might say, okay, well, we've given him four years to get better. He's not. A good defensive player. I think that a lot of Blazer fans are just like, enough. They don't want to watch Myers Leonard continue to get better. But I'm telling you, you have to give him some time. I mean, he came to the league super, super raw, had no idea how to play NBA defense, was completely, you know, turned around with the like deer in the headlights look, and you know, his instincts still are not great. He doesn't have the greatest instinct. And I think a lot of times he's thinking the game more than just playing it. And maybe now with the fact that he is locked into a contract, he's going to be in Portland for the next four years at a four year, $41 million deal. Maybe that eases and relaxes him a little bit. And I think that if you can just let him play the game a little bit, he's really good. And I think that he was miscast a lot of times in power forward. Like I've said, he can sometimes play power forward against, teams that play big teams like Utah teams like the Spurs if they play Gasol and Aldridge together so it's not out of the question that he can play some power forward at times and maybe he comes he adds a little quickness maybe he improves his footwork a little bit defensively so he can keep up with some quicker guys but I'm not going to count on that but he, he he's still pretty mobile I think he's got some defensive potential that still has been untapped that still could get better and if you play him with some really mobile guys, guys that can crash the rim, especially in the offensive glass, I think they would be in really good shape. And, and you know, probably the biggest trepidation with playing him a lot is that he doesn't really have a lot of, off. you know, he's not a great, he's not as good of an offensive rebounder as, say, Davis or Mason Plumley, But he his shooting is so important. And for the Blazers' second unit, if they really want to, Reach the next level when the Blazers get Myers making shots and playing well, that's when they get to another level. And I think that we didn't really get to see that in the playoffs. And I think that it, had we seen it, the price on his contract probably wouldn't have been as team friendly for one. But hustle stats are very important. I think they're more important actually when you're playing with CJ and Dame a lot. But where Leonard's going to be playing, which is mostly on the second unit, his buckets are going to be so important. And I think how Leonard plays with that second unit, how he performs on a regular basis is going to be one of the most important things moving forward for this Blazers team, whether he's playing center, whether he's playing power forward. I think that Leonard is the second most important big man of all the guys that can play center or power, you know, center or a bigger power forward on this Blazers team. And finally, number one, I have Mason Plumley and, I've probably been a little harsh on Plum's, but for all of his shortcomings, I still think Plumlee is the most effective big man on the team, especially with the Blazers starters. Now, I've knocked him for his lack of defensive impact, how he gambles a little too much on defense. I've referred to him as a gunslinger before, not just because he's a really good passer, but because he takes a lot of chances on the defensive end. It looks like he's always going for the home run play rather than just making the smart play. But all of the hand-wringing about Plumlee aside, I still think that his hustle, his basketball skills with the ball, especially to be able to alleviate the pressure off of Portland's ball handlers, and if you have him on the court, say, with Turner, you know, I'm not a big fan of playing Turner with the starters, but... If you have them, all those guys on the court, they can all make plays, dribble with the ball. So you know, even if a team plays sags off of them or doesn't really guard them, they can dribble, drive, get to the you know, and make things happen. If Plumlee can figure out a go-to move, he is almost definitely the Blazers' big man on the team, Blazers' best big man, because you know he is so good with the ball in his hands, except for the whole scoring part. He has a little floater. He doesn't really have a hook shot. Against the Warriors, he really struggled to finish, which a lot of people did, and Draymond Green is really good, and so is Bogut. But you need him to find a way to be able to score within five feet. And if he can do that, then he becomes even more dangerous. And I think Plumlee still has a great chance to... Be the starting center for the Blazers. I think the battle between him and Azili, I think it is what it really comes down to, even though uh I think Myers Leonard is a little bit better than Azili, at least or will have a more a bigger impact just because of how he can play offensively. I think the battle between Plumley and Azili is going to be very interesting because Azili does all these things defensively that you kind of wish Plumley would do, but Plumley. Is a really good hustle guy, and and the guys like playing with him. Uh, Lillard likes his toughness. He likes the fact that he can trust Plumlee in a close, crunch time situation and give him the ball and know that it's not going to be a turnover. And so as much as I've knocked Plumlee for some of his shortcomings, I still think he's going to be the most important big man for the Blazers next year because of all the things that he can do and how skilled he is. On both ends of the court, and I think his hustle. Uh, you look at his plus-minus numbers; they were really solid last year, especially the ESPN real plus-minus. He was excellent at that, and so you know, I I, I think getting Azili was crucial. I thought it was a big move. I thought I thought it was a solid move. I think it helps the Blazers. I think it's an asset, but I still don't think he's going to be the most important big man on the team. And I think that Plumley, for all of my Criticism of him. I still think he's going to be the most important big man on the team. So let's go to the rankings. I got number one, Mason Plumley in terms of importance. Number two, Myers Leonard. Number three, Festus Ezeli. Number four, Ed Davis. And number five, Noah Vonley. The Blazers are just carrying five true bigs, really. Uh, they really, Neil Olshey told reporters at the Evan Turner press conference that they shifted their focus to adding talent on the perimeter. So they're clearly looking to be a more perimeter-oriented team with the small ball. I think Aminu starting at four also is a sign of that. So those big men will still matter. They're still going to have an impact on the team. Just because the Blazers are going small does not mean they are not going to need these guys in certain situations and especially when the playoffs come. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network on Boom. I have been your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or our RSS feeds. Please leave us a five-star review because it really helps the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. You can follow the podcast at Locked On Blazers on Twitter. And if you have any questions, you can send them to... An email that we have for the podcast, Blazers, all lowercase, one word, at gmail.com. So that's lockedonblazers at gmail.com. I've got some great guests lined up for you for the upcoming week. We will definitely have some pods to keep you occupied throughout your weekend. We'll also let you know how the Dame Dollar concert was. I'm going to go there with my buddy Sean Hyken, um, who's my fellow co-host for the Bulls versus Blazers podcast. So... That should be fun. I'll let you guys know how Dame's first perfo- real concert was. So we'll, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.